Conversations. I'm your host, Rebecca Mears, with my co-host, Luca Halix. So we've been thinking about topics that we would like to talk about. We're starting to make a new list since we're digging in a little more deeply, as we shared with you last week on our show, that we're we're going to invest more time and energy into talking things, talking through ideas and, and things that are current for Luca and I. And something that came to my mind um, the other week was... Well, the nature of preparing for the big things, significant events, whether they be positive or challenging or whatever they may be, I was thinking about rituals that I do, whether they're conscious or subconscious, there's a certain methodology that I use, I guess, most of it's subconscious, I have to admit, and that it might be interesting to talk about that, to learn from you, Luca, what do you do when you've got a significant thing that's coming up? How do you prepare for it? If you know it's going to take a lot of physical resources, mental resources, more than you would normally plan for, for a, a week or whatever, maybe it's going to be just a really heavy day. Maybe it's going to be a longer time than that. Yeah. And maybe we can learn from each other about how it is that we prepare for these things. Yeah. And yeah. I'm just thinking as you say that, that, that there are different things that I do depending on how I'm feeling in the moment. Sure. Uh, but one of the biggest ones you mentioned earlier about um, time, about m- making time. Um, I don't know if that's the exact words that you use, but, but I definitely, um, one of the things that I need to do when I know that I'm coming up to something big is make sure that I'm not going to be squished for time. So, because new things always involve something unexpected. Um, And I need to know that I have the grace of time if I need it. So scheduling is a big thing. And that's a very practical thing, right? That I can make sure that um, I have a buffer before um, whatever it is. And it might might be a few days. So I remember when I was writing my thesis when I was in university, I, I gave myself a false deadline. <laughs> and I knew it was a false deadline, but I had it done by a deadline that was ahead of when I needed to have it done. Yeah. And I, and I knew I had to get it printed and I had to do all of those things. But it, it, just knowing that I had done that, that I had buffered myself, made me feel less frantic about getting it finished. And I do the same thing on a, on a micro level. When I, have a, when I have a client, I buffer myself with 15 minutes before the session. And if I have to go somewhere, half an hour before the session. Um, so, so I know that I have that space in which to just collect my thoughts and be on my own and take a deep breath. And so those are some of the ritual things that I do as well, which is, mm-hmm. you know, I have a... I have affirmations I have that I say to myself and I have, you know, a breathing that I do and grounding and, and those kinds of things. So that may be true for a lot of you out there in, in 
our listening audience, you may be, you may do things like that. I remember reading a book about rituals um, by a guy named Robert Fulgerman, and he went out asking his community about what kind of rituals they had. And people said to him, oh, I don't have any rituals. I, I don't do anything ritual. And then, and then they proceeded to tell him about the fact that they set their coffee maker every night before they went to bed, every <laughs> night before they went to bed. And he said, why? And they said this, but one particular woman said, because when I get up in the morning, I want to come down the stairs into the smell of coffee. That started her day off right. And she also had a different house coat for each season. And she would take <laughs> her coffee out and sit on her front porch and drink her coffee. That's a ritual. So I've always described rituals as habits with meaning. Yeah. But I think that we can be intentional about those rituals. And indeed, we are in our culture, right? And he talks about that in, in his book, Rituals. He talks about how we prepare for weddings and how we prepare for funerals mm -hmm. and how we prepare for graduations and um, the ritual of, of, of uh, spiritual practice, whether it's you know a particular day of the week or a particular time of the day. Um, all of those things, I think, give us a structure in our lives that we have intentionally created. There are they are of our choosing mm -hmm. that, that give us a sense of comfort. Yeah. I, I can remember we've, I think we've talked about rituals before and about how that becomes a map for navigating mm -hmm. uh, cycles. And they may, some of the things may be long and drawn out in between. And I'm wondering what about the things that don't fit? What about the things that are almost like one-offs? that that are going to require a different set of resources than we that we normally use and i'm thinking there's an element of personality that plays into this too was you were describing the buffer part that you the buffer of uh, like an a false deadline that you give to yourself earlier that reminded me of i have for a long time it's not i don't do it anymore but for many years i used to keep my clocks five or 10 minutes ahead of the actual time because I have a habit or a pattern. I've now come to see, I think it's because of how my brain is made up that I'm usually late by five, 10 minutes to just about everything. Like you can plan that I will be five or 10 minutes late for something. So the moving of the clocks earlier, even though I know that they're faster, it still does something to kick me into gear to get grab my things and get out the door if I have to travel somewhere. I've since learned that um, that it might be a function of the optimist's brain that I read an article about it. I don't know if it was a study. I'm not too yeah, sure. What, yeah. Where optimists brains store length of time for things as whatever was the best one that we ever so if i've traveled all over the city and maybe i take make a practice of driving the boys to school whatever the best time was that it took me to get there that's what my brain logs as how long it takes to get there but that's not entirely accurate <laughs> because it doesn't it would be more useful to log the longest time it's ever taken or yeah. the median time that it takes well, and that's what i do and i'm an optimist but yeah. what i log the longest time it takes. Yeah. And I don't. Then yeah. I'm protected. Yeah. Uh, but I think there's also, then there's a bit of that combined with 
with some ADHD, which is I can't stand to not have something to do for 10 minutes or so. <laughs> but they that start something right before you have to go out the door. I know, my goodness. Yeah. Well, no, I'm thinking if I get there too early, then I don't know what the heck I'm going to do with myself. And so I don't want to uh-huh, get there yeah, early. Yeah. I want to get there on time with yeah. a bit of buffer, of course, because I, if you don't have the buffer, then you feel terrible. But my buffer is usually eaten up because I didn't plan for the longer, um, whatever. <laughs> but that's not necessarily the same thing as planning for the big thing. So um, like if you've got like a major life altering surgery, or let's say you have a health issue, you need to, t- you need to step away from work perhaps even in order to be able to engage with a, uh, an intervention, a health intervention. Um, I, on a small version of that, just, you know, the other week I had signed up for and was able to receive the vaccine. Very grateful for that opportunity, but I did some preparations for that because I knew that it was going to take, it was going to be very different than my normal schedule or had the potential to be very different. For some people, it's not. For me, I anticipated it might be, and I was correct. (laughs) My optimist brain has logged in the best of circumstances. It usually well, that and that reminds me of when I'm traveling. I know I'm going to be jet lagged for a couple of days, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. so I don't plan things for the middle of the afternoon when I am wherever I am because I know that I'm going to be falling asleep. Yes, it's yeah. so so. It's it's saying I know this is what could be. Yeah, what is likely to be, and so therefore I will plan for it. And so what we're doing there is we're we're trying to stay in a realistic set of expectations around both what would be required of us externally in certain environments and what we can realistically expect we're going to have as resources, whether it be energy or attention or sleep or awakeness. Or finances. Right. Finances. I mean, that's what a rainy day fund is, right? It's it's the idea right. that something could come at me out of the clear blue that I'm not expecting. Now, some some people don't have the luxury of being able to create a rainy day fund, but you you can you can do that in terms of you know spare socks. It's like it doesn't have to be money. Um, it can be having a spare. Uh, I, I remember doing this exercise around what women carry around in their in their purses. And, um, and there was a, there was a short film about it. That was how I got onto this whole thing. And they were pulling people in off the street in Manhattan and saying, and some of them were famous people and some of them were just people off the street. And they said, what have you got in your, in your purse? Well, a lot of the things that women had in their purses were things that would be contingency items like spare pantyhose and the spare key and, um, you know, extra Kleenex and like all of the, the, all those kinds of things. Right. So it's that uh, just in case it's a just in case kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but, it, but that doesn't address your point about sir. If, if you're, if you know that you're going to have surgery or, and that's a big different one. Mm-hmm. Like how do you, as if you've never had it before, even how, how do you know how to prepare? For yeah, that? Maybe, maybe my biggest curiosity around it is, how do you prepare for the thing that you don't know how it's going to go? Yeah. Or you, do, you don't even know is going to happen in the first place, right? Well, you don't get to plan for the thing. Oh, okay. Accidents. I guess we're talking about contingency you know? stuff, like your rainy day yeah. fund. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. true. 
All right. So like if we if we explore that idea first, like what kinds of things have you got going on or that you you tend to do as a practice that is not designed necessarily for a specific thing that you know is coming up, but for just in case? Yeah. What kinds of things do you do, Luca? Um I, I, I noticed the other day that I had stopped doing this, but I, for many years I did it. I had a spare $20 bill in my wallet that oh, was yeah. in a compartment that I didn't access for my regular spending. So now I buy almost everything on a card. So I don't, you know, the cash part isn't as important, but um, that came from the days of, of, well, what happens if you need to take, take a taxi home? Now, nowadays, $20, $20 wouldn't get you very far. But, <laughs> but, you know, this idea of having hidden spare cash. Right. Um, yeah. or, or, a, or a spare key hidden somewhere or something along those lines. Right. right. Yeah. Um, ju- a just in case, you know, having a, having a friend who's got, a spare. Yeah. I've got, um, I try to stash my, some leftovers in our family, the amount of food that we go through on a daily, like, I feel like I'm constantly running a catering operation in my teenage boys will do that as well. And, uh, and a partner that's, that's voluminous in the amount of things that, that he needs to keep his, his um, security frame going. Um, it's he works in security. That's that. Yeah. Might, I just realized yeah, that yeah. Thing might sound really weird. <laughs> right. <laughs> he works in security. Um, yeah. So the like, what is there to eat, mum? Situation, or if I have to take off for an unexpected trip, which that's the kind of life that I do lead. Mm-hmm. Um, I try to have some meals stashed in the freezer. So something that I made a vast quantity of, and maybe I, I did a few few meals in a row where we had lots of food. And so there ended up being more leftovers than we actually ate within two or three days, which is super rare. But then it's like, oh, you know, there's a sufficient quantity of this that this could actually be an entire meal. I'm just going to stock this, swack this white back in the corner where nobody's going to notice it. So that one of these days I'll be like, look, go pull that thing out. I am not cooking tonight. <laughs> Y'all can eat that. <laughs> and it's available. And that yeah. has served us well a lot of times. Um, yeah. I'm thinking about cars and having yeah. a first aid and a spare blanket. Yes. In the car. I've know? got two blankets in my car because I usually will want one to throw down on the ground if I'm going to have an impromptu sit in a park or on a beach, but then one to wrap around me because I usually don't plan for being outside and in cold weather. <laughs> so I plan for yeah. my forgetfulness. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think those, so those kinds of things of being ready for an emergency yeah. is, is one part of it. But I also think that there's a, there's a longer term kind of thing around who are your go-to people in your life where yeah. you know that they'll be there for you um, and without abusing that, but, you know, n- knowing, and, and I think that this is especially important for people who are, um, who tend to be loners that uh, and maybe that's some of you out there listening right now, but that but that you that you need to be cultivating friendships. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes that takes a little extra push, to, especially during a pandemic, right? To get out the door, to reach out to people, because it's easy 
to isolate. And yeah. it's in those times when there's some massive change in our lives that we weren't expecting that we need that community to fall back on. And if we haven't been cultivating it, we don't have it. And that's not the right time to be trying to cultivate it. Yeah, no, it's a really, it's an almost impossible time to be able to cultivate it. But this, I think this also speaks to the need to cultivate the belief and paradigm that significant relationships aren't just about marriage or common law or partnerships, or if you've had children leaning on your children, or if you are, you know, you have parents leaning on your parents, it's about normalizing friendships that are significant enough that you can come into each other's homes. You can support each other with food, with finances, with um, obviously all within whatever is actually within the means of people provided and never required, but this is, but we have to have a, a, a relationship structure around that. Yeah. Um, but there's so, I think there's, there has become through our hyper independent Western culture, we've created friendships to be like only for play. Yeah. And only by appointment. <laughs> right. Right. We don't have a yeah. drop in, kind of situation really anymore even if you know someone like it would be I would feel quite affronted if somebody were to suddenly show up at my I mean granted we're in a pandemic but outside of the yeah. pandemic it's, if a, if a, even if it's a good friend would suddenly show up at my door I'd be a bit well I wasn't planning on this today like hi but you know what I mean which I, I have to admit that's a little sad I feel yeah. I'm a little sad about myself that that would be my reaction. Yeah. I don't know that that's yeah. necessarily very. And I think part of it is cultural, right? Because when you were living in Sri Lanka, that was very different. It was, although I did tend to have the same reaction, which was unfortunate. <laughs> well, that, that was your culture, right? That was where was where you came from. It so we're we're looking at need to give them tea and 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 run around and try to find a snack to give them because it's just what you do and if I was yeah. in the middle of doing stuff it doesn't matter but that's about prioritizing relationship and connection yeah. because yeah. those are the people who will have your back yeah and, and not just for an emergency but also well who do you celebrate with when you have something wonderful to celebrate in your life yeah. right yeah it's he did, and he did a wonderful job, Robert Fulgham, talking about this in his book about rituals, about, you know, what do we, and to plan, to plan for them, right? What happens when um, our child graduates from high school, um, you know, and, and those, the, the significant moments in life. Um, I remember a friend of mine, um, she got all of her friends to contribute a square for a, for a quilt, Oh, that's lovely. Um, for each one of her children that they each got a quilt when they, I think they were around 13. Um, I think that was sort of a coming of age thing. And the quilts all had significance because they came from all of the people in the kids' lives who were there for them. Mm -hmm. All the adults who were there for them as they moved into their coming of age years. And I thought, so that was very a very deliberate ritual. And it wouldn't, I think she discovered that it, it, one of the kids did, didn't work so well for um, they weren't interested in that but but for some of them it does right so it's and it comes back to this idea that you mentioned earlier about what's personal mm -hmm. that some of this has to do with our 
with our personality. Um, I have a friend in Germany I've been speaking with um, on a weekly basis since the beginning of the pandemic. And he was, he was feeling a bit, a bit low and he had a success about a month ago. And I said to him, and what are you going to do? Celebrate. He said, it's like, he was very dismissive of it. It's like, huh. well, I don't need to do that. And I said, well, you complain about the things that don't work. What are you going to do about when you come across something that does? Like, are you going to give equal weight to something that does work in your life? Um, that's a change. Um, something you've been working towards. How do you celebrate that? How do you um, make happy? <laughs> um, and I think sometimes that we we're you know we're quick to. Um, pull in around people for the things that aren't working so well. But I, re I remember being at your house on my birthday a, a few years ago and you cooked up a big curry feast and invited a bunch of people to come over. The, this is the celebration. We did this on the on CJSF um, amongst all of the um, programmers and staff. We were we, one of the, during um, uh, the, when we were learning about Black Lives Matters and, and one of the um, people on the on the staff, not staff, well, one of the other programmers was teaching us about um, poems and songs of celebration and of gratitude. Um, and and I and I, it was a lovely thing that I had kind of forgotten about this idea of um, what can we do to celebrate one another and to celebrate the things that go well. Yeah, because we have a, we have a tendency to live out into the future. Um, and and look at all the things that we're moving towards that we don't have yet. But what about the things that we've that that our present is the future that we were planning for before? Yeah. So I'm, how do we celebrate that? I'm right? absolutely in agreement. Get there's, here. Been, there's been a lot of times when uh, when working on projects, um, or even just amongst the family goals that we that we've set that we're hoping to. To milestones maybe is a better word rather than goals and we often yeah. will 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 we'll visualize to ourselves the the wonderfulness that it will feel like when we've hit that milestone or when we've reached that goal or we've launched this thing or we've conquered this hurdle and that becomes part of the energy that contributes to helping us to achieve it and usually when we're visualizing it we're Im imagining ourselves in gratitude and taking time to celebrate. Like that's part of the visioning is like the, mm -hmm. the I'm on the other side. Yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, but we don't do it once we get there. I, that's what I'm yeah. aiming at to say is that yeah. there's been a number of times when, when that's then happened and I can't rally the troops to do the celebration. And mm -hmm. I find that really robs me mm -hmm. of motivation and restoration like there's something about celebration that becomes restoration for me yes. maybe yeah. yeah for for many people um yeah. and yeah it's really key and actually that's making me think of so sometimes I've had I've taken work assignments that have taken me uh most of the time say away from home maybe it's a long distance or a short distance yeah. and I have to be very focused for say a week or two weeks and I know that it's going to be very draining. And so I plan as best I can before I've gone on trips like this to have things that I know are homey or nourishing or whatever, but they're, they'll fit into a suitcase. So they're very, 
it's like taking my comfort rituals on the road. What are the things that will make me feel grounded, that will help me stay true to my kind of routines, even when I'm not at home? But I always try to plan for the first two days at least of coming back from something like that to have a yes. completely clear slate. Yes. Yes. And, I do the same. Yep. And to also put in some dedicated time, plan for dedicated time when I will go to my sacred spot. So a specific, a specific uh, physical location that really fills me. It's like my battery recharge station. <laughs> and a place where I can process anything that might be weighty on my soul or in my mind. And if I plan for that, but then I don't follow through, I suffer for it. Yeah. Yeah. And you know that about yourself. And that's part of, I think for all of these things, we have to come to know ourselves, right? And, and part of being a young person is that process of getting to know yourself and getting to know what's a reasonable amount of time for something and what, what depletes you and what recharges you. And so that when you're our age, you, you know those things and you can bank on them and you can um, cap, put them into place very, very deliberately. I'm thinking too, because you just phrased this about being young and what we're learning as we're being young to know ourselves, a lot of it also has to do with the permission to put that as a priority. Because I'm thinking when I was young, so much of what I was engaging with was about proving myself, proving that I had what it took. And that usually ends up meaning something toxic. It means... (laughs) Yeah. I mean, sometimes it's rising to a challenge and and figuring out if you have what it takes to meet that challenge, but that's different. Then you're competing against the challenge and not against all the other people who might not think that you're good enough. Yeah. 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 So I think it's time for one of our songs. I think so too. Yeah. Um, Since I just referred to going to my sacred spot and one of the things that I do there is I'll put on some music and there's, for some reason I usually end up playing Andrew Bird he's just one of those artists that just fits with that place and there's usually this one song that always plays so I'd like to share that with you all Um, now it's called The Water Jet Salise it's by Andrew Bird we'll take a listen to this and then we'll come back in just a few minutes Casually, all our tender years would bend. 
Essential Conversations with Rebecca and Luca. That was the Water Jet Salise with Andrew Bird. Uh, before we continue on, um, actually, it's really appropriate for me to take some time now to remember and acknowledge that Luca and I, we live, we work, we breathe, we leave, we eat, we play on the unceded ancestral territories of the Musqueam, the Squamish, the Tsleil-Waututh, and the Coquitlam nations. And by unceded, this means this is land that was not agreed to be given to the government. There were no treaties that were signed, but yet we are here. We in our whiteness and our colonialness, we have come in and we have appropriated and we have built upon and we have used. And we try to acknowledge this every week as a grounding practice for us, as a reminder of who we are, where we are, so that it can inform us for how we're going forward feel like this relates as well to our topic today of how do we prepare for the big things? Um, because by remembering where we are and who we are and how did we get here and where are we going, we can make better decisions. This is something that as I'm using air quotes now, Western civilization has not really been very good at. We're fantastic at using up resources and for the short-term gain. Not yeah, and not replenishing the cupboard. Yeah. And uh, the whole... Or the land or the whatever. 
all of it. Yeah, capitalist structure of how people are are viewed and used as resources, not not nurtured, not uh, supported as whole human beings. Um, we're fighting against a system here. So everything that Luca and I are really describing is contrary to the system that we may normally be engaging with. So we have to at least stop and acknowledge that what we're trying to do may be revolutionary. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm thinking about rituals as well. And we come back to the idea of rituals and a lot of the rituals in life were prescribed by people's spiritual belief systems, many of them, right? Um, but as we've become more secular, those a lot of those have, have fallen by the wayside. So what do we do to put some of those useful pieces back into our lives? Um, and there are a number of people going back to their belief, uh, their original belief systems that they, with which they grew up. Um, and and coming at them in a different way. So there's reform, all kinds of reformed churches and reform synagogues and re- reform whatever. That, 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 um, so it, we, I think it speaks to that need that you're just mentioning, which is how do we, how do we mark things, but also how do we pace ourselves through the year? Because many of those rituals that were spiritual were connected into the seasons. Um, and, and many of them were connected into the big cycles of life, the, the marriage and children and death and um, all those ways that, that, that we can be um, uh, lifted, uplifted, and also in, in some cases brought down. And what do we do? What do we do to mark those occasions? Um, I remember... Um, when I first learned about uh, Judy in Judaism, how they how they deal with death, one of the ways, because it's not the only way, but but um, the person who dies is is um, usually put into the ground within forty eight hours of their of their death. But that 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 is then they have a, a, a seven weeks of sitting shiva, and they and they they the people who are grieving. Um, sit in their home and they cover all their mirrors and they, and they, uh, and people, and they burn a, they burn a candle that burns for seven days. And then people come, people come and visit and bring things and take care of them because they're in that um, locked in that process of grief. But then they have, I think it's 11 moons after that to, to go through a prescribed grieving process. And at the end of that time, they put the tombstone up. Mm. And, and so there's a ritual that holds them through the very emotional process of adjusting when they lose somebody significant in their lives. And, and if you, if you lose your, your spiritual tradition, mm. then what do you do? And, and some people don't, they, they don't, they don't observe their spiritual tradition on a regular basis, but they do for those really big things in life. So they, they do when they get married and they do when they have a child and and when somebody dies, that's when they go back to it. But I think that it gives us that, that structure for when our emotions are all over the place and we don't know what's next and we haven't been through it before. It gives us something that says, okay, step one, you do this, step two, you do this. 
sit and through you do this. And you're walked through it in community as well. Like people show yes. up to walk you yep. through that. What a loss yep. that we have for all of us that don't have these religious yes. rituals. I mean, even a Christian r- ritual for um, grieving is not at all the same. We don't have much. We just have a funeral. We just have yeah. a burial and, and that's it. And, yep. and part of, part of uh, you know, one of the things that lo- we lack in our work-life balance in this Western world is a holding of space for l- dramatic life-altering events. Yeah. And yeah. it's it sort of, we'll, we get impatient with each other in the yeah. community. Well, you're still yeah. grieving that? Uh, you know, like, or yeah. can't you just get well, over it? Get three days off work. Yeah. Three paid days off work in most organizations when somebody close to you in your life dies. Yeah. And what are you going to process in three days? Yeah. Really? Yeah. You know, you, and, and I having said that a lot of people need to work to go through the grieving process. It gives them a structure. It gives sure. them where they have to go and be and do something that they're familiar with that helps them to go through that grieving process. But it's, do we think about that ahead of when we have to grieve, right? Do we, do we think about how am I going to grieve when I grieve? I don't know that we can really know unless we've already been through it with someone else in our family. I don't think that that's something you can intuitively know about yourself. No, no. But that's and, and of- how much do are we there for the other people in our lives, right? That do we have an expectation, as you said, that they should, you know, are you still grieving? Like, what are you doing still grieving? Because everybody grieves in a different way. Everybody celebrates in a different way. Mm-hmm. I remember meeting a woman back in the in the late eighties who was a celebrant, and she helped people to design celebrations in their lives. Hmm. So she she sat down with people and and asked them about what had meaning to them and who was who would they like to bring into this and and um, what were they what were they going to put into place and over what time period and all kinds of things like that. And I remember to her talking about. I'm creating bath bombs was when bath bombs were new bath bombs for people so that they could, they could on their own, they could have a celebratory bath and there was, there was going to be, you know, glitter that was going to be in there. And I, you know, I, and I remember thinking at the time that's going to go down the drain, but, but you know, whatever it is that you choose to, to do, like some people at the end of the week will come home and have a bath and, you know, with candlelight or their favorite music or whatever it is. But I think that, you know, we've got the big, 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 somebody dies, we're going to grieve for a whole year or more. Um, And then it could be small. It could be, how do I wrap up my week? How do I wrap up my day at work? Some people have a whole ritual around clearing off their desks before they go home and other people don't care. That doesn't matter to them, but, but they have to go around the office and say goodbye to everybody. (laughs) Right. I mean, for everybody, it's different. Yeah. But we have to know ourselves to know that. Mm -hmm. So really, this is becoming an invitation to pay attention to the things that anchor us, uh, because that's what these things are. They anchor us. They they remind us where we are in time and space. They reassure us that things are as they should be or that they will continue on. That yeah. they will, that if everything will be okay, you know, life continues on, the next day will come. 
Um, I was thinking of temperature checks of, of um, allowing ourselves to do a periodic temperature check to say, how am I doing? Mm -hmm. um, and I know that there's some people who have a ritual where they have um, uh, areas of their life and they say, well, how am I doing in the spiritual area of my life? And how am I doing in the work area? And how am I doing in the friendship area and the nourishing myself area? Um, and I was thinking about when the pandemic hit, how different it is for us making radio now, because we would, we had a ritual of, yeah. of meeting up and collecting our guest and traveling up the mountain and then we'd arrive we'd have a cup of coffee we'd 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 chat and get get comfortable with the person and then we'd go into the station and we'd and we'd say hello to everybody in there and sometimes introduce the person around and then we'd have all the setup for and and all of us as programmers now we're missing that yeah. And I think many of us didn't know that that was important until we didn't have it anymore. It's true. It's true. And also we'd have two AGMs each year. Mm -hmm. um, and, and we would, and then we'd all go out and have a drink afterwards and, and socialize with one another. Well, that was a, a time when many of us got to see the other people who work in the station that we didn't normally get to see and talk to them about how their show is going and how their life is going. And, and um, that, so that we weren't being conscious about those things until we didn't have them anymore. So now we're having to look at it and say, okay, well, how does an AGM go if we do it online? How do we connect in with one another? What do we do with the fact that we can't go for a drink afterwards? Mm -hmm. Right. And what does that do to the, esprit de corps the, the, of the station um, and how many people volunteer at the station um, for just for doing their show and how many people also like the fact that there's a community of people who are creating a show. Mm -hmm. So then that comes back to temperature check, right? And, and we, I don't think we always know what we're taking the temperature of until there's a change in temperature and then we think, Oh my, I'm sitting in a draft or the stove is gone, I'm cold, um, whatever it is, right? But how do we know until there's a change and we notice a deficit? Right. Yeah. Or an overwhelm. Maybe there's too much of something um, at, at some point. Um, yeah, so I'm, I'm just throwing that in there. I, I like it. And, and I'm unconscious things. I'm feeling the call of the next song and it's, okay. just, it's very appropriate. So the next song we've got for today is we'll make it through by Ray LaMontagne. And it's, it's a bit of a ballad. You can tell he's, he's singing to his love and reminding her of all the things that are true and all the things mm -hmm. that they've already been through and that uh, they can rely on that to see them through this next challenge. And I'm hearing a bit of that with that. You know, temperature check means that we're paying attention, right? We're assessing where are we at with the knowledge that it goes up and down and that there are challenges. And sometimes we don't know what to do. And sometimes we do know what to do and we're scared. And sometimes we're bold and angry and we're just going to get it all done. Like it's, <laughs> it's and sometimes we we're so focused on what isn't there that we forget to appreciate that we, there's a lot more that's going right than we think there is. Absolutely. And we can okay. call back on Let's listen to We'll Make It Through by Ray LaMontagne. We'll be back in a few minutes. 
starts to burn through Layers that you learn to wrap around your heart somehow I turn to you Welcome back to Essential Conversations with Rebecca and Luca. That was We'll Make It Through by Ray LaMontagne. We're making it through this this session of Essential Conversations, but it's not hard. We like this. This no. is fun. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we, it's, it's like somebody comes, we, we, we create our own sandbox for ourselves and we say, okay, we're going to play in this sandbox this week. Maybe we need to record one of these in a sandbox sometime. <laughs> that would be kind of cool. I did that at, at a... A conference once we had an afternoon off and we had we had a selection of things that we could do one of them was go to the beach so I, I drew a sign um, with a bucket and a shovel and a sandcastle and and I said I'm going to the beach who wants to come <laughs> so I had there, there were four guys three or four guys who decided that they were going to come to the beach with me <laughs> and they admitted afterwards that they only went because I had this sign up nobody was nobody was they were going to go and they felt sorry for me and then they sort of they they said with some surprise that they had really because I I made them build a sandcastle I took a bucket and a shovel and and we built a sandcastle and they were very reluctant I have to say 
by the time we left the beach, they really got into it. And they, and, and then we went around the circle and it, cause it was a, it was a group dynamics um, workshop, which is appropriate for what I do. And these guys all admitted, and it was news to me, right? They all admitted that they actually had a good time that, and it surprised them incredibly that they never would have done that. They wouldn't have initiated that themselves. So I think, you know, when we were talking about what things do we do for ourselves, I think play is a really, really important Mm -hmm. um, mechanism for coping with anything. I think I remember saying to my stepdaughter um, at one point in, in our lives that she was talking to me about what I did every day when I, cause all she saw was me going into a room with a clipboard and a, and a clock and a, and a client. She didn't know what I did in there. She just heard voices. Right. So I said, I said, well, you, and she said, I want to work too. I said, you do work. Your job is to learn and play mm-hmm. every day. But I think that learning and playing are not just for children. They're for all of us all yeah. through our lives. And I think that we, we repair ourselves. We, prepare ourselves we um we recharge do we do all those good things by learning and playing i just had a thought that was prompted by what you just said which i totally agree with and that is so in the context of we're talking about preparing for the big things whatever it might be and we've mostly been talking about in terms of these are the resources we will take let's plan for that let's plan let's set realistic expectations let's clear the decks that kind of thing um how often do we prepare that things might be better than we would expect yeah and that's the whole the whole idea of setting expectations right hmm. what are we because you you the law of attraction that you attract what you put your time and energy and expectation into yeah i feel like i want to challenge myself on that yeah that it should at least get equal time yeah if not more time yeah and i mean i do feel the internal pull of why don't get your hopes up too high and the whole you know disappointment is disappointment is a hard emotion to feel yeah it It's like, it's like you get perforated with holes and all your energy drains out them and steals <laughs> us of motivation and it steals us of vision. But I think there's something equally uh, dampening, I want to say, about not allowing ourselves to anticipate positive possibilities yeah and even when we get there to be able to say okay what did I get from this that that was useful right what did I what did I learn from this what do I have now that I didn't have before I'm thinking about Thomas Edison with all his inventions like he had he had a, a huge amount more of his inventions didn't work than did yeah and but we don't hear about the ones that didn't work. We hear about the ones that did work. And if he'd given up, we wouldn't we wouldn't have had all the inventions that did work. So so every time he tried something that didn't work, it gave him knowledge and and wisdom of not that way or but not that way. But this bit of it worked. So I'll take yeah. this bit and I'll move it forward and anticipate what I can do with this bit. 
um, so it's it's how how are we choosing to look at it? So mindset, I think, is also a, a big part of this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I feel like I want to take a deep breath. I was, I think I was, I was thinking before we started this today that one of, one of the coping mechanisms that is so basic is to breathe. Yes. Yeah. Right. How do you remind yourself to breathe? Um, Well, sometimes it'll be somebody else saying to me, if, if our voices are going up and up and up and up, (laughs) then we know that it's like, I have to to take a deep breath and come down. Um, And so sometimes it'll be what's around me will remind me of that. Or if I'm really tight and tense, sometimes I think we do it automatically. Well, a big sigh Mm -hmm. is a breath. I'm thinking that it usually happens between me and those that say just within my home, or if I'm hanging out with you, Luca, that it will be, if I'm seeing another person winding up, then I will want to hug them and I'll ask. Yes. May I give you a hug? Because there's something yep. about the hug. Yep. It's like that breaks it down too. Yeah. To, to pet them. <laughs> yeah. 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 Very carefully. Um, and what, what is it that I receive? Maybe people will be, I think Uta has sometimes, that's my partner, will sometimes pull his hands down my shoulders, just very mm-hmm. gently, mm-hmm. just very quiet, not saying anything. Yeah. Yeah. And, it's, yeah. it's, and then, and actually being brushed, whether yes. it be actually touching or just the, yeah. the moving of the air around mm-hmm. us can do a, yeah. a big thing like that too. Yeah, but it's that much. air element too, right? Yeah. The moving of the air around us. So it can, I, like I had um, one, the, one of the people who does massages on me, um, she uses, she burns sage around me. So she, she smudges me with sage before we start the session. And that's an air element. It's also, it's smell, but it's, it, but it's air as well. She has a feather and she um, waves it. That's First Nations, right? It's First yes. Nations stuff. And, and it's lovely. It's really wonderful. Mm-hmm. Um, so to remind ourselves to go back to our senses and yes. come back into our bodies and come be back present. into nature and onto the planet and be here now yes in the present yes that's be- our point of power is in the present yeah well that feels like the most appropriate place for us to close off today we yeah. leave you here now <laughs> yeah. with a big breath yes a big breath in uh, for the weekend was we'll set you up for the weekend And until next time, I wonder what's around the corner. Essential Conversations is brought to you courtesy of Luca Halleck's Power Sorcerer. And Rebecca Mears, Certified Coach. Increase your awareness, expand your options, empower yourself. Luca can be reached at www.lucahalleck's.com. I light the fires that light a thousand more. Connect with Rebecca at catchingfire.ca. Happy, 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 boing, 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 bo